if you're doing a deal that's smaller than 250 units or 200 units, then you will be able to use this 1.75% number. For the closing costs, you're going to have to have a conversation with your broker and your attorney to figure out how much it's going to cost for your particular deal size. It's that time of year again, tax season. Dun, dun, dun. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return, and there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean... This is the ultimate rental property tax guide, and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. These episodes will make up a larger series, and for the majority of these series, we offer some sort of document or resource spreadsheet for you to download for free. All of these free documents, as well as past Syndication School series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is going to be part three of a six-part series that we started last week called How to Underwrite a Value-Add Apartment Deal. If you haven't so already, I recommend that you listen to parts one and part two. In part one, we introduced the things that you need in order to underwrite an apartment deal. 
which are a T12 rent roll, offer memorandum, and a financial model. Talked about how to get those and what information you actually need to use from those to input in your model, which make up steps one through three of the seven-step apartment vacation process, which is read the OM, input the rent roll data into your financial model, and input the T12 data into your financial model. So to learn how to do that, check out part one. Then in part two, we introduced the next step of the seven-step process, which is setting your assumptions. Those are the assumptions for how you plan on operating the property once you take it over. And then we went over, because one of those assumptions are setting a renovation budget and renovation business plan. So we discussed 27 ways to add value to apartment deals. Now as a reminder, this underwriting process is for syndicated apartment deals and apartment deals that are value add. So it technically would work for turnkey or distressed properties, but the model that we gave away for free, Simplified Cashflow Calculator, is better for the value add type deals. And also, as I mentioned, as the name implies, it's a simplified cash flow calculator. So it's only one tab, whereas the more complicated version is five, six, seven, eight tabs that all point to a project summary. So what I recommend doing is get comfortable with the current model and then customize it and adjust it and make it more complex based off of how detailed you want to get with your underwriting. If you want to make it so that you can do a refinance, you want to make it so that you can tweak a few other things like debt terms or any of the income or expense assumptions. If you're savvy enough in Excel, you should be able to do that. Now that you know the first three steps, you've inputted your rent roll data, you've inputted your T12 data, you've read through the OM, and you know some of the ways to add value to apartment deals, the next step is to set those assumptions. So that's step four. Now in this episode, we're going to set the assumptions a pretty lengthy process, so we're not going to get through all of it in this episode. Hopefully we can cover setting the assumptions in this episode in tomorrow's episode, part four. So in this episode, we're going to focus on setting the first set of assumptions, which will help you determine how much money you need to raise for your deals. Now, if you remember to a previous syndication school series, when you set your goal, it was a goal based off of how much money you need to raise. So you said, I want to make X amount of dollars per year. And then you did some calculations to determine how much money you would need to raise in order to take down enough apartments to receive a profit split and acquisition fee and other fees in order to achieve that goal. And now this is where we are going to determine how much money you actually raise for that deal. And ideally, it's going to be at most equal to the amount of money you have in verbal commitments. Ideally, it's 75% or 50% of the number of verbal commitments that you have. So in order to determine how much money you need to raise, there are going to be six different assumptions that you need to make. There are six different things that you need to input into your cash flow calculator, and you should be able to input these into the simplified model that we provided. So let's dive right into those. So number one is going to be the acquisition fee. So we discussed the types of fees that the general partners, you as a syndicator, can make by putting together a syndication, and the acquisition fee is one of those. The acquisition fee is paid to the syndicator for essentially putting the deal together. So finding the deal, underwriting the deal, touring the deal, submitting an offer, putting the deal under contract, completing due diligence when the deal's under contract, and securing financing and making sure the closing goes through smoothly. For that, you can take a fee for that work. Generally, it's going to be a percentage of the gross transaction amount. So all of the capital contributions, all the money that was put down, 
the principal balance, the loan, the money you get from the lender, and then any other funds that are required to acquire, renovate, own, operate, maintain, manage the property. So any other costs associated with the deal. Now, as I mentioned in that episode about the ways that the general partner can make money, this fee can be anywhere between half a percentage point up to 5% of the gross transaction amount, depending on the deal. So that's number one, that money is going to come from your investors, or if you are putting money in the deal as well, it could be coming from you, but it's coming from the limited partners, so the passive investors in the deal. So all of these six things I'm going to discuss are all things that you're going to need to raise money for. So number one, you're going to need to raise money for that acquisition fee. Number two are going to be the closing costs, the upfront costs that you're going to pay in order to close on the deal. So any costs paid to the attorneys for putting together operating agreements and private placement memorandums and things like that. Any due diligence costs, so paying for the inspection, paying for lease audits, paying for environmental surveys, and things like that. Now, these closing costs that I'm referring to are different than the fees that you pay to the lender for securing debt. That's something different. We'll get into that in a second. But for the closing costs, typically... If you are the one that are fronting these fees, then you can be reimbursed at sale. So you're going to raise this money because you're going to be putting your own capital into this. So you're going to be paying the attorneys, paying for the due diligence costs. And then once you close, you can take that money raised from your investors and reimburse yourself. Now, again, this entire series is focused on underwriting 200 plus unit value at apartment deals. And for those size deals, typically the closing costs are around 100 $10,000. So typically to create the PPM, to create the operating agreements, to pay for the inspection reports and things like that, those are typically fixed costs. There might be a little bit less if it's a smaller deal, but not that much less, which is why we use that set $110,000 fee. Number three is going to be financing fees. So these are the fees that you actually pay to the lender or the mortgage broker for securing the debt. So any application fees, any credit report or background check fees, processing fees, rate lock fees, things like that, things that are paid to the lender. Typically, these are going to be around 1.75% of the purchase price. So these are dependent on the size of the project. So if you're doing a deal that's smaller than 250 units or 200 units, then you will be able to use this 1.75% number. For the closing costs, you're going to have to have a conversation with your broker and your attorney to figure out how much it's going to cost for your particular deal size. Number four is going to be the operating account fund. So this is essentially an upfront reserves account. So these are to cover things like overspending on your capital expenditures. So if some unexpected issue came up that you didn't expect, then you've got a fund to cover shortfalls. If there are unexpected dips in occupancy or a mass exodus of people who want to take over the property due to evictions, it can cover unknown or deferred maintenance, paying for upfront insurance or taxes, essentially anything that could possibly come up during the first six months of the deal, you're going to want to have a fund to cover that so that you don't have to either do a capital call and go back to your investors and ask for more money, especially if it's your first deal, it's not going to look very good, or you're not going to want to come out of your own pocket to cover things like that, or you're not going to want to have to not distribute the projected returns because you've had to use the cash flow to cover these issues that came up. So for the 200 unit size deals, we typically use a flat fee of $200,000. But if you're doing a smaller deal, it'll be around 1% to 5% of the purchase price. Number five are going to be the renovation costs. So the first four are pretty simple. It's just you either input a percentage of the transaction amount or you input a flat fee. 
based off of the size of the deal that you're doing and the complexity of the project itself. Number five, renovation costs are a little bit more complicated to determine because it could be based off of what you're going to actually do to the property. So this is going to be broken down into interior renovation costs, exterior renovation costs, and then a contingency budget. So the first question you want to ask yourself about the overall renovation costs are whether or not they're going to be included in the loan. So I know we haven't talked about loans yet. We will talk about that in a future episode, but high level, the two types of loans are ones that include renovation costs and ones that don't. So if you're securing some sort of bridge loan on this property, which is going to be a shorter term loan, two to three years, maybe with some extensions, typically interest only, but it's going to include the renovation costs in the loan. So bridge loans are going to be used to properties where they don't qualify for the agency debt, which has some sort of minimum occupancy requirement. So if you have a deal that's 80% occupied, you're going to have trouble qualifying for an agency loan. So you're going to have to do some sort of bridge loan first in order to stabilize the property, reposition the property, and then refinance into an agency loan. So if you are not including the renovations out in the loan, or the renovations are not included in the loan, then you're going to have to raise 100% of these capital expenditure costs from your passive investors. If they are included in the loan, then you're going to want to know how much is included in the loan, and then the remaining amount is going to be raised from your investors. So for example, if they aren't included in the loan, then maybe you'll get a loan that's 80% loan to value. So the lender will loan up to 80% of the current value of the property. You have to fund the remaining 20%, and you also have to fund 100% of the renovations. If the renovations are, so an example of when renovations are included in the loan, maybe it's a bridge loan where the LTV of 75%, so they'll loan up to 75% of the current value, Plus, they will provide 100% financing on the CapEx budget, your renovation budget. Or it might be 75% loan to value, 75% of the project cost, which is also known as 75% loan to cost. So it just depends. You're going to want to know going in, have at least an idea of the type of loan that you plan on securing. Because if you only want to get agency debt, then certain deals will be disqualified because Again, not all deals qualify for agency debt, whereas if you're open to doing bridge loans, then you can look at deals that have maybe a little bit higher renovation costs or maybe a little bit lower current occupancy rate. Next, you're going to want to know what you're actually going to do to the property from an exterior and interior standpoint. And for ideas on that, listen to part two of this series where we discussed 27 ways to add value. But that's not an exhaustive list. There's plenty of ways to add value, and that's essentially what's going to set you apart from the competition. When you look at a deal, how many different ways can you determine to add value? And if you find more ways to add value than the next guy, then you can submit a higher price, which will increase your chances of actually buying the deal. So this is kind of what sets syndicators apart is their ability to identify ways to add value. And if you're starting out, you can definitely rely on your management company to do that. So an example of something that I've been doing when I am looking at deals, because since I'm just starting out, I don't want to drag my property management company to every single property tour because that is something that they probably don't want to do until I've actually proven that I can give them business. So what I've been doing, I've been following steps one through three. So read the OM, input the rent roll, input the T12. I don't skip this part about the renovations. I will just kind of assume that based off of just looking at the deal, how much money I think it's going to cost. And I'll go over other ways of how you can put a placeholder in there in a second, but I wanted to explain kind of the overall process. So once I put that placeholder number in there for interior and exterior, 
obviously go visit the property in person, whether it's a formal tour or just driving it myself and getting in there with the property management company. And I will take a bunch of pictures. So going in, I'll have an idea of, okay, here are the five things I think I want to do for the exteriors based off of the pictures. And then based off of the interior pictures, here are the 10 things that I want to do. So I have a list of that. And I make sure that I take pictures of all those items, how they currently stand. Then if I have something else, like maybe a roof that looks distressed, I'll take a picture of that. And I'll come home and I'll create a PowerPoint presentation where each slide will have one picture. So, for example, the first slide will have a picture of a large open green space where I want to put a dog park. And the next one is a picture of the pool where I want to replace all the furniture and lay new brick. And then three more pictures of exteriors. And then I do the same thing for interiors. I'll take a picture of the kitchen and say, I want to add new stainless steel appliances and new countertops and new floors and cabinet fronts. Here's a bathroom. I want to put tile in the tub. I want to put new vanities, new lights. Here's the living room. I want to put new floors in here. Maybe I'm going to put new hardware on the doors, new ceiling fans. So I'll make a PowerPoint presentation with pictures of all the things that I want to do to the property and what I want to do to those pictures and then what I think the costs are going to be per unit for the interiors and then overall for the exteriors. And I send that presentation to my property management company and say, hey, this is the deal I'm looking at right now. I went and toured the property. I went and visited the property in person. I put together this presentation for you. Because I wanted to get your thoughts on not only my actual business plan, so will these renovations a high enough ROI in this area, and two, are my costs correct? And typically they'll come back and say, yep, everything looks good, but I would say that this cost is a little bit high, this cost is a little bit low. And I set this expectation with my management companies up front. So I said, hey, I understand that you don't want me calling on you constantly to go on property tours and look at T12s and rent rolls, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do ample due diligence beforehand, and I'm going to put together the presentation that I just explained to you guys. And would you mind is checking that presentation and kind of giving me high-level thoughts on whether or not, again, one, these renovations make sense, and two, these costs are at least semi-accurate, then plus or minus 15%. And as long as I say yes, then I know that I can do that, and they also typically appreciate you respecting their time. So that's one way to figure out what your costs are going to be, and it's a really strong strategy for those who are just starting out. As you gain more experience, you can just look at an OM and know with pretty high degree of certainty how much it's going to cost to renovate the interior and and exteriors, sometimes without even actually seeing the property in person. Now, more specifically, for the interior to costs, when you're doing a value-add business plan, it's typically going to be between $4,000 and $7,500 per unit in renovations. So if you're doing a lower-end renovation, it'll be in that $4,000 range. If you're doing a higher-end renovation, stainless steel appliances, granite countertops, new floors, new cabinets, then it could be in the range of $7,500 per unit. Now, these are just generalizations. Some units might be way below this range. Some units might be above this range, depending on how many units were already renovated by the current owners. But just in general... Most likely, the costs are going to be around $4,000 to $7,500 per unit for the interior renovations. Now, as I mentioned before, I went through my whole entire spiel about the PowerPoint presentation I put together and how I kind of determine what renovation I'm going to do. But before I do that, in order to determine what level of renovation to do the property, what types of improvements to do the interiors, a couple of questions to ask and a couple of questions that I ask myself are, Number one, what is the cost associated with each interior upgrade? So as I mentioned, I'll make a list of all the interior upgrades I think I need to do. And then typically there's some sort of per unit cost associated with that. So let's say I want to replace all the cabinet fronts and new hardware. That could be around 
1200 to $1,400 per unit. If you want to replace all the floors, around $1,200 per unit. Again, if you're just starting out, you're likely going to have to get this information from your management company after you've made your best assumption possible based off of some of the research you've done online. Next question you want to ask yourself are what percentage of the units have already been upgraded? Assuming units have been upgraded, obviously. So what percentage of the units has the current owner already upgraded? And then to what extent? So ideally, the owner has renovated less than 50% of the units to its full potential because you won't have enough meat in the bone if 75% of the units are renovated and you're only doing 25%. But it could also be a combination of renovations. So maybe 25% of the units have been fully renovated, but then another 25% have been partially renovated, and then maybe another 25% have just had their appliances fixed. So if that's the case, okay, well, I'm going to have to mostly fully renovate 25% of the units, but it'll cost a little bit less. I'm going to have to take 25% of the units from partial to full, and then I'm not going to have to do anything to 25% of the units. Or if you're planning on going above and beyond in that scenario, and then the only difference is you're going to have to renovate all the units, and the ones that are quote-unquote fully upgraded by the owner, you'll have to do a little bit more to get that to the level of upgrade that you want. Now, assuming the owner has renovated some units, the next question you want to ask yourself is, what period of time were the units renovated? So let's say it's a 200-unit apartment community, and they renovated 100 of the units. Was that done over 10 years, so 10 units a year? Or was that done over the past couple of years, so maybe four or five units per month? The reason it's important is because if you have a property that has 100 units renovated over 10 years, then the rental premiums are not going to be as accurate as a property that had 100 units renovated over a couple of years. So if it was a former, which means that they were renovated over 10 years, then you're not going to be able to trust those premiums and you're going to rely more on your own rent comp analysis, which we'll go over in a later episode in this series. But if they were done over the past couple of years, then you can have more faith in those rental premiums. And those rental premiums are more proven. The next question to ask yourself is what are those rental premiums achieved? So what rental premiums are they achieving on their partially upgraded units, their fully upgraded units, any other type of upgraded unit that they've done? What premium are they achieving? That way you can determine, okay, so if I'm going from partial to full, what is going to be the new premium? Is the ROI worth investing that money into fully upgrading those units? Are they really getting that much more for the fully upgraded units? If the answer is yes, then obviously you're going to want to fully upgrade all units. If the answer is no, then maybe they've over-upgraded or something else is going on in their management. So that'd be a good question to ask. If the the spread between the partially and the fully upgraded units is low, ask them why aren't you getting higher rent for those fully renovated units? And why did you even renovate those units in in the first place? Why did you stick at partial? And the last question, not necessarily a question, but the last thing to think about is if the offer memorandum doesn't have an answer to five questions, then add those questions to your list of questions for the broker. So that's the interior. Next is going to be the exterior costs, which we're actually going to discuss in tomorrow's episode. So tomorrow's episode will start with the exterior assumptions, and then we'll discuss the contingency, and then we'll discuss the fifth thing that you need in order to determine how much money you need to raise, and then we will start discussing the other assumptions that you'll need to set in order to fully underwrite a deal. So until then, if you haven't done so already, listen to part one and part two, because if you didn't, this episode is probably a little bit confusing. Make sure you go to syndicationschool.com or check out the show notes of this show to download your free Simplefold Cashflow Calculator. 
Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account that counts free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.